toxic relationship with your favorite football team. Some weeks you're out and you're completely out and you've broken up. Like when the Riders lost to the Montreal Alouettes, but then it all comes back to you. Riders beat the BC Lions 34-29. The love affair is back on. Rider Nation is happy. It's episode 41 of the Rider Nation podcast. Maz McFly, Kelly Kirsch, Randy Chevrier, Sheldon Napastek. Gents, good to see you again. We talked in the off-season. Did you expect at this point in the year, Nasty, I'll start with you, a 5-5 five and five Saskatchewan Rough Rider team? Is this better than we could have imagined? I mean, this, you know, er- everything when you talk about certain teams in the CFL this year, especially the Riders, there's a big asterisk. Uh, uh, the Riders with Trevor Harris were fantastic. I mean, you look like a well-coached, well-oiled, well-organized machine. Um, but I'll tell you, in this league, it is a quarterback league. And if you lose your starter, I don't care who you are, unless you're lucky to be having a, like back in the days with the Stamps, right? When you had Jeff you know, Flutie to Garcia to Burris mm-hmm. to you name it, uh, or even to Bull Levi to Drew Tate to all these things, right? Unless you're a quarterback factory, it is really hard to win in this game without a starting quarterback. Look at Hamilton. Look at Ottawa. Any team that's lost their quarterback finds themselves in dire straits. So I was probably one of the few guys that wasn't on that ledge about what the riders could be. I was just like, man, please let Harris come back fast because you're not going to win many games with a backup quarterback. And Chevy, I think we point, when we, we had you on last time, we pointed out in the offseason, you're the luckiest guy ever in the CFL because all of your backup yep. quarterbacks bet on to be some CFL All-Stars and have careers. That That's even are, with the yeah, uh, Eskimos. That's true, isn't it? Yep. Oh. No, for sure. But, you know, my uh, observations uh, from the riders come through basically you guys. I just follow you on Instagram. And I think a few weeks ago there was, uh, I, I think one of the taglines was, who's going to be the riders' head coach next year? So I just assumed doom and gloom. So, guys, who is going to be the riders' head coach? I, do you think now, at, at this point, five and five, uh, Dickie's doing a great job considering what you're seeing in Hamilton, considering what you're seeing in Edmonton? Considering what you're seeing in Calgary, I think the team's doing well. I was looking at the highlights of the game. I didn't watch the game the other day, but I kind of went back and looked at all the highlights, and they look good. They, they went toe-to-toe with one of the better teams in the league, probably one of the best that brought their A game. Uh, you know, watching that BC Lions team, they didn't give up. That was a, that was a slugfest, and uh, the Riders came out of that one with a win. And Gosh, I tell you, that looks way better on the Riders than Edmonton's victory against the um, Tiger Cats on the weekend. You know, if, if I'm looking for value of a victory, that's a big win for a team. And, and you, can, you can climb into the upper echelon after that. So, um, you know, if I'm Winnipeg next week, I believe they're playing Winnipeg, I'm scared. Well, the thing is, like, we're, we're still, like, for me, I, I don't think it's, like, one game is one game. And did they play their hearts out for one game, the Rough Riders? They sure did, guys. They played very, very well. Probably the best game they've played in two years, easily. As a team. As a team, everything kind of worked out for them. You know, did they take advantage of, of uh, some screw-ups by the Lions? Absolutely, 17 points off off, off turnovers. But I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like mm, I'm I'm still leery about some of the coaching decisions. And you're right. I mean, if if you don't have a, a starting quarterback that you spent you know five hundred fifty thousand dollars on, which is a fortune in the CFL, it it might be a, a tough one to to think that Jake Dolagala and Mason Fine and Shea Patterson and Antonio Pimpkin can somehow uh, get you past BC and Winnipeg. That that's a little bit. But I want to kind of ask you guys because i know you both you have have 
you know, feet in both camps because you both you follow both teams. Uh, Randy more so with the Stampeders, and, and you know, Sheldon, you guys live here, obviously. What surprises you more? Where like what's going on with the Calgary Stampeders who just you know are finding different ways to lose? And it's just maybe Chev, start with you. What are you what are you seeing from the Stampeders as the Riders suddenly have a four point lead? Um, for third spot, which seems crazy when you see some of the losses the Riders have had. Yeah, if you told me that, considering that the Stamps are one of the only teams that have their starting quarterback from last year, um, because every other team is playing with a backup or a guy that was not uh, designed to be their starter, I, I, I tell you, I'd be surprised. But um, they look like a team that's lacking a bit of confidence, especially in that... Uh, quarterback receiver relationship and you know that's they have a good running game um you know jake is making some good throws uh watching the game he he makes some good decisions but he had one fatal error that pick six and then a bunch of drops and when you've got that um in the cfl it's it's as huff used to say he said if we play bad football we're gonna we're gonna lose so they lost the turnover battle that's bad football i'm not too sure what the penalty um uh, ratio was in that game but all those drops that's bad football i mean had that uh i can't even hook Luther hooking on the four yard line with nobody around him walks in for yeah. a touchdown trust me as a rider fan i'm like oh, yes has, thank you and he made that uh catch it's a different ball game you know you look at the montreal game they were down and uh another former uh stamps and danny uh, I believe it was Sindani. He was all alone at the end of the game, but he makes that catch and puts it in for a touchdown and changes the fate of the Alouette. So, uh, you know, when guys are making drops in key situations where they can capitalize and score, you're not going to win too many ball games. I went to the Ottawa game uh, a few weeks ago. That was the last game I, I, I went to. And, yeah, just a lot of, you know, whether it's bad luck, bad bounces, um, yeah, they just they just don't look confident. And they're not beating the teams they should. And, you know, their record now, they're trying to climb up to sort of, uh, I guess the word is mediocrity. They're trying to get to, you know, a mm -hmm. place where they play half decent football. And you got a team like the Riders that have a real opportunity to jump up. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I am surprised where the Stamps are right now. Um, you know, but if you look at it, every quarterback except for Jake Mayer that changed teams last year is uh, no longer playing. Uh, you know, you look at or has been in, in and out, right? Right, right. So, so I mean, you can't you can't blame it on that decision because there really was nobody else. Uh, you know, and the fans can't say, "Oh, look what Bo's doing," because Bo's been injured. So, it's been a really weird year for the CFL and the quarterback situation. But with that weird year, you know, you, you know, just looking at Montreal, Evans gives a nice opportunity to to play a game. He's winning Trey Ford in Edmonton, doing some nice things, and uh, Legallo. Delgado, the DUI. Delgado, Delgado, Delgado. They're calling him Jake the Snake. That that's oh, I saw Jake that the online snake, a yeah. bunch. Of, that's Jake easy. the Snake. He's already got it, a nickname. It, if I could though, over the uh, over the Stampeders, and I, I've been saying this since early in the season, I really like Jake Mayer. If if you watch him technically as he's playing, he's making his reads. He he works through the progression and he makes the right throw. His problem is he's not accurate. There was about, to start the season, even the first game they won, they put up a ton of numbers. It was a big on yak yards. He threw his receivers where they had to stop their route. They were able to grab the ball, and then they competed for the extra yak. And I can't remember who that was. I think it was week five. Um, and they put up some really good numbers. He makes good decisions, but he's just not sharp with the football. And 
And I think that's been really hurting him. Like we went for three weeks where we can complete a deep ball, right? In, in Calgary. And it makes you one dimensional. And you talk about a lack of confidence on the receivers and stuff around that. Yeah. Like the whole team was losing confidence. Um, do guys, do guys end up, it's gotta be, maybe you don't come right out and say it, but you know, are grumbling on the sidelines than it in is the locker rooms? Like get you, your shit you're together. Out of rhythm. When, when you're in, when you're in rhythm mass, you feel like you're world beaters. You feel like you can't be stopped when you're out of rhythm and, and then all the other bad things happen. A, a drop pass turns into a nightmare. Two holding calls in a row turns into a nightmare. And, and, and you just fizzle out. And you just don't have that sense that you're able to um, get that back. But if you watch the Riders the other night, uh, it, it, as good as a quarterback was for his second start, first start of the year, uh, he was putting the ball on target. But a lot of those were contested passes. I mean, what we saw was re the receivers going up and making a difference for him. I mean, that's something I'd, I'd say that maybe Mayer hasn't gotten from his receiving core this year, was where the receiver single-handedly decided to take over a game, catch everything that comes their way, yeah. double coverage, taking the hit, going down, holding on through the contact with the ground. I mean, it was an awesome performance. And, and then and then the special teams in the defense, right? Who, who's that new linebacker they brought up to the... TJ uh, Brunson that oh, absolutely trucked God. that kid. Uh, on that punt return, and then former New York Giant on the kickoff return. Now, guys, since you guys both played a game like that yesterday, which was a slugfest, hard hitting back forth, is that like the ultimate? F I've never played football. Is that the ultimate football game as a player to play in, where it's just a back and forth? You have no idea how it's going to turn out, and guys are just laying it all out on the line every play. It seemed is that the perfect game to play in? I would say I, yes. Those, those yeah. are the most fun, um, you know, and they're also the most stressful. You don't you don't appreciate how perfect those games are because there's no opportunity to enjoy it while it's happening. It's not like when you blow out a team and things are going well and you're messing around with the guys on the sideline and you just know that you know we just got to wrap this up. Or when you're on the flip side of one of those and you're like, can this thing just end? When you're in one of those games, you truly don't appreciate the moment till you go back home, you put it on the TV, and you watch what happened. But then, you know, when you are playing in those games, and they're a slugfest, and the other team uh, that lost put up 455 yards, what do you do? You start going through all your mistakes. You, you don't even enjoy those, actually, because then you're like, well, why did they put up 455 yards? And it's, it's very hard as an athlete to enjoy any type of success, even a success in a game like that. As a fan, I love it. I love it. But as a player, you know that one, you, you, you're going to, if if you were the guy that caused the majority of those 455 yards on the big lucky whitehead run, you probably don't even care. Like you care that you won, but all you're thinking about is next day, they're going to watch yep. me get burned on film. And you're, and you're going to be dreading that moment when they pull up that play and they play it over and over and over. And, and the fear and, that you're going to be the one roster change going into the next week. Yeah. Right? Yep. Because yep. they are, they're looking, they're scrutinizing. Win or lose, they're scrutinizing everything. Um, but yeah, I'll tell you, being on the... To, I was, sorry, Sheldon, I was going to say exactly. Yeah. The coach doesn't go to bed saying, yeah, that was great. You know, like, you know, their defensive coaches are like losing their minds that they got 455 yards put up on them. Yeah. You know, yeah. and like Sheldon was, said... To yeah. them, the biggest embarrassment of the season, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but and but coming out on the it, but it is better to come out on the winning end. I know uh, what you see out very you know often coming out on the losing end of that. I was always because I was kind of a rage guy, right? I if I felt like I if we lost that game, 
it would just it would burn so bad i would be you know swearing at the refs in my sleep i'd be calling out my own coach the other coaches i would think it was so unfair that look out the next week and i think that's you know i hopefully that's the response we're going to see out of calgary some guys get deflated here we go again well right? i think but, we saw that from the riders um I was listening to the post-game show, and Michael Ball and Luke Molander both said to Dickinson, hey, whatever you did in practice this week, keep doing it, because it looked like a different team came out to play that game, because the yeah. Montreal game the They week were embarrassed before, in Montreal, embarrassed. obviously. That was, that was awful. That was that was just a bad... Like I said, I had to break up with them. I was off the... I was, off the wagon. It's a weekly thing. I'm on and off the bandwagon, but I was really... I was really... I was done with them. But now yeah, can I ask you guys a question? This sure. is your show, and I want to get your opinions on this thing. So I've been hearing that you guys have been uh, less than pleased with Craig Dickinson and the coaching staff and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. What's what, what's the chatter right now in Regina about Craig Dickinson? Because as far as I'm concerned, I did say on the Rod Peterson show over the offseason that he's probably going to end up out of a job. But instead, he made bold moves. He got rid of uh, – he changed out his offensive coordinator. He made strong moves that hurt him to make the team better. Um What's the problem with Dickinson and the way he's running the team that, as you guys see it, educate me? I, I think a lot of people in Saskatchewan and, uh, you know, just from what I'm seeing, there's been some really strange calls and really kind of odd m- mistakes when it's just, you know, one after the other in, in a game where you think that a head coach really knows, should know how to do that. So I'm not, I think he's a nice man. I think he's a good motivator. I don't think he's tough enough on the players, just personally. Um, and I, I don't think some of the, uh, ex, you know, so called experiments have worked. I think there's other people who can do a better job of it from, from the GM to the head coach to probably the offensive coordinator. Um, I, I, I just, I just can't see a, a world unless, you know, they go to the Grey Cup and win it. Uh, that Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day keep their jobs. Maybe, Maz, maybe you see it differently, but I, I think they will. They will absolutely have a big press conference, and and change things up because even even I, not their fault that Trevor Harris is out. We've talked about that before, but man, it, it is yeah. you know O'Day's fault for not having somewhat of a backup plan. And I know Jake Delegato you know played played his heart out and had a hell of a game. You know, can he do it four or five more times? Can he? Can I he did, go? Yeah. So even yesterday, that guy, people were talking feeling. about um, when they took the time count violation with a minute and some left and lost a down they have to punt. They said, and there was still had a timeout in their pocket. Like things like that can happen yeah. because that's on the coaches. A good team, yeah, that's on the coaching staff. And then even on the, the couple of games before, there was just some odd coaching decisions and the riverboat gambler stuff. And you know. I, it, you look at Huff and those guys. The, the coaches are successful. He, if you get a chance, take the points. Like you know what? Yeah, it does. But take those points, stack them up, stack. They say stack them on top of each other. You never know. You need them. We had Rod on last podcast, and um, he had said that Cody and Jason Moss unfairly got tagged with a lot of the stink that went on last year. But yeah. he alluded to, and he wouldn't go any further that they weren't all of the problem. Because even in Montreal, you look. Because I even asked him the question. I'm like. Well, is Jason Moss, a, was he like a good coach, but just trapped in a bad system with us? Like, cause he seems to yeah. have a grasp, Well, like you guys would know better. Like he's, he is a, he's a decent coach. He's a fiery guy and all that. And I think, okay, you cleared those two out. You kind of got it your way. If you, if, like Kirsch says, if they make it to the Western final, maybe he saves his job. But beyond that, people are going to go nuts. And one of the two is going to have to change. And you know this. Sometimes the general manager gets to keep his job, and unfortunately, the coach doesn't. Or do they both go? But well, Chef, you know my like... thoughts on this, though. And I, li- I like Jeremy O'Day. I played with him. I played against him as a person. I have a lot of respect for him. But uh, for me, if you're going to make changes in an organization, where do you start? 
Yeah. The, and yeah. I don't know if they have a, a serious answer for who that person's going to be, though, right? Because if you replace a person, uh, if you get rid of a person, you're going to have to replace them with somebody quality. And that's the problem that the uh, Eskimos Elks have had for the last <laughs> 10 years is they're just recycling people and they don't have a clear vision of who's in charge. And even just a couple of weeks ago. Now, there has been, I'm sure we're going to segue to the Elks. They have been really improving the last two or three weeks after even uh, replacing their, their president, which I don't know if it has anything to do with yeah. football. But, well, if it's that's a board like, too, That's like Britney helps. Spears replacing a backup dancer. Like, ah, mm, that still doesn't well, make her Well, it's crazy. her tour manager. She replaced a tour manager. And that can yeah, have a oh. trickle-down effect on the backup dancers and everybody around it. I mean, changes up here affect I, things down here a lot you, more than changing the backup dancer. You guys know how dancer. crazy this fan base is. If you don't make changes when shit doesn't go right, people yeah. lose their mind, and they'll vote with their wallet. And you saw on yep. the game yesterday, they announced the attendance at 27,000. If there were that many seats sold, there wasn't 27,000 people there. There were sections that were almost yeah. completely empty in the lower bowl. So it's not just in Calgary and some of these other places, in Edmonton, where fans are voting by not showing up. That's, that's happening in Ryderville. Crazy and and yeah, you're like, but, but the do, you crowd that's a, do you think that's a win loss pro problem or yep. that's a CFL problem right now? It's a little bit of both. I think in Saskatchewan, it's a win loss thing. If if you, if you had the Winnipeg Blue Bombers record, you'd be, you know, you couldn't get a ticket, you know, right now. Yeah. And and they don't discount tickets at all in Saskatchewan. Everything's full pop. Where in Edmonton and BC and stuff, there's you know a lot of two yeah. for ones and and that sort of thing. So one mm. thing, I, guys, I wanted to ask you is the riders are now on a buy, and I know when when we you guys did the show on the radio station all those years ago, you know it was always good when you had a buy because either you have a lot of time to do the show or or maybe we put one in the can because you wanted some time off. For for the fans listening and and, and watching, how how important like in the CFL is a little different, right? The guys aren't making piles and piles of cash. And those those days off, a full seven days off, where you can go down to the states, or if you're you know you live in, in the city anyway, is is it a big deal? Because people kind of, especially if you lose before you go on a buy, it's like you know you should be the fans think you should be just just really just dour that you lost. But how how important it is to, to guys to, to recharge your batteries after after a, you know a long season like that, where you only get a couple couple bye weeks, Sheldon. Well, I, I'll start with it, and Chev, I, I don't know what you were like. I never traveled on the bye. Um, losing going into the bye, I just hated. Like, the only good thing about a bye was you got a chance for your body to heal. And mm -hmm. usually what we do is, you know, take a couple of days and, you know, hit the pubs with the boys or some friends and just, like, just, like, let the steam off, let the pressure off your shoulders a little bit. I never felt, uh, I never felt like a bye was a break or a vacation, right? It was just purely, here's four days off, five days off. Uh, it, sometimes you'd have practices mixed in. It was just really a chance to let your body heal. But I was kind of a football nerd. Like I just, you know, I, I didn't have much of a life outside of that. But Chef, did you used to travel and go on vacation during by? I think one year I went for a drive to BC, but for the most part I stuck around. And and they always had it structured that you know the most you can maybe get off in a row is four or five days. Then if you recall, they would do what was called a day A and a day B, where yeah, everyone would yeah. show up and do a little half practice. Not full pads. It was just kind of make sure everyone's around, everyone's rehabbing, and then you get a day off or two, and then you start with your day one, two, three, four. The thing with the injured guys is they're not going anywhere. Like anyone that's injured, anyone that requires rehab, they are stuck. Um, you know, like Sheldon, you know, I, I was a weight room guy, so I loved being uh, having the days off where I can put some extra training in in the weight room. And uh, I, I went to the pub, Chevy went to the gym. Maybe yep, that's yep. why you played till you're 40 and I was <laughs> yeah. over to the 32. But, but you know, you talk about the, yeah, you talk about the buy. Uh, 
Yeah, the mid the mid year buy, I didn't mind because I think guys needed that unplug because it's a long grind. Like we always say it, what happens in the CFL uh, uh, June, July, August doesn't necessarily translate to October a success. And same with failure, right? So that week, especially if it's in the middle of the season at this point, it's actually a perfect time for a bye week because then you can come back and recharge for that last stretch. If you're, you know, you, sometimes there's there's a season, I think we had a bye right at the beginning of the year. And it's like, no one's hurt enough to take Eight advantage of, of it. No one's tired enough. Uh, the bye week that I always hated was uh, the first round bye in the pay- playoffs. That yeah. one made like filled me with anxiety because all I wanted to do is work and play. Uh, you know, because you just, you, you feel like, well, you know, we're going in the playoffs. You know, if, if you got that first round by chances are you're playing pretty well at the tail end of the season. And now it's like, well, you know, does, does the train stop? And, uh, you know, I've, I've experienced both right where we've won and we've lost, but yeah, I've always hated that one, but a mid season by, I know people need to unplug. Not everyone's like me. Uh, not everyone is, is, you know, spending time, you know, after practice or all that stuff. Like people need that unplug, even the coaches, right? Coaches need to, now they don't take as much time off, but they get a little break and depending on, they've got to be sick of you guys too. Now, is there anybody in the, in the past (laughs) that you played with a character that if they had three or four days off, they're trying to get somewhere like to Vegas or somewhere to like go whoop it up and be like, I don't care. I'm on vacation, man. Like, you know, you, you hear the stories about um, Dennis Rodman and the days with the Bulls needing to get. To, I don't think there's many guys renting private jets to go to Vegas. But who did you play with in the past that would just live their vacation up to the absolute fullest? Because the team doesn't pay for you to go home on your bike. No, that, no. That's on you guys, right? No, I, I don't know who lived it up to their fullest on the bye week. There's always pro- a few probably guys. the the usual suspects, your punters and kickers. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I you remember know that. Do you remember that your Mahoney didn't even show up to training camp for three weeks, and uh, nobody knew where he was? So, yeah, um, yeah. You, um, you know what? You know you, where I'm was th- he? <laughs> I, I don't even. Yeah, somewhere else. Yeah, somewhere See, now, else. When I saw, so the Flames had the or the Flames, the Stamps had the Hall of Fame game, or where they honored the '98 Stamps. I look at Jeff Garcia, who still looks like he could walk out onto the field with a jersey and play, and yeah. he, I just look at him and I'm like, "You, you are a good." He looked like he was a good time guy. Like he oh, probably yeah. knew when to turn it on. Hey, boys, it's time to let loose. We're well, gonna have well, a good time. One of my buddies, Roger Reinson, who played with me in Edmonton, and he's got four Grey Cups, a Saskatchewan boy. Uh, he, he's, uh, we're in a little chat from the old Edmonton guys, and we actually have our 2003 Grey Cup reunion next week uh, on, on the, uh, the 27th. But, yeah, he was saying that Jeff, Jeff was just a wild man, just a wild man. You know who I would say for the Stamps? But it didn't matter if it was bye week or not. That's, you're saying, like, who's, who's crazy on the bye? Like, we had guys that were crazy if there was, like, one day off in the week. We almost lost Scott Coe uh, if, <laughs> to, uh, like, I think uh, Nickelback was in town. I don't know if they were playing a concert. And Scott Coe knew them, and he literally was – you know, probably one more, I don't know, one more pop away from jumping on their private jet, going to Vegas with them and missing the whole week of practice. Cause he was like ready to go. I don't know if that was, I think that was the year before I was there, but yeah, we almost lost Scott Coe to Nickelback. He might've been one of their roadies, but he, he made the decision to stick around and he played a couple more years, but uh, yeah, no, th- there's always some guys that just, just live it up. But you know, that's, that is also what's colorful about the CFL. Right. You know, there, there, there's some great guys you play with. 
Uh, there's some great guys uh, that like to have fun, and it needs to be fun, right? And that's why I think that bye week where the riders have it gives them a real opportunity to take stock of what they did because five and five is not that bad right now. I was thinking today when we were preparing for the show, I was thinking, you know, remember that BC Lions team that went on seven? I, I can't remember what year it was, and then they came back and they won the Grey yeah. Cup. Yeah, mm-hmm. you yeah. Know, that yeah. was a Wally Bono coached team that at 0-7, can you imagine the conversation you would be having about an 0-7 team, right? You know? Yeah. Like how many can press imagine, conferences would you have? Yep. Yeah. Can you imagine the conversation you two would be having? I'm just saying, can you imagine what would be coming out of your mouths if you're 0-7, and then next thing you know, they, they prove you wrong and they win the Great Cup. So that's the one thing about the CFL. And you're better positioned right now if you're the Riders going toe-to-toe with a team like the BC Lions then you are the Stampeders trying to figure it out. Like they're just trying to figure out how to make passes and connect on passes. And you're better off than Edmonton, who's just kind of finding their way with a young quarterback. But I mean, you know, they beat a team like Hamilton that they're finding their way. So I'm really, uh, I'm really confident in what the writers are doing. I actually think Craig Dickinson is a fantastic leader because when you're a head coach, yeah, he might've made a couple of decisions that might be questionable, but you have to manage personalities. And sometimes you, you have to you know manage. Who that reminds me of? You know who that reminds me of, Chef? Who's that? Uh, Rick Campbell. Mm. So in his years in, in Ottawa, he made just the worst. Every call was the wrong call. When to go for it, when not to, when to challenge. But he always kept that group together. And over the years that he was a head coach, you know, now he's been in BC for a few years. And just look at where his career has gone to. And was, I was thinking about that good. actually yesterday, he, comparing those yeah. two guys in my mind, right? Um, Craig, I knew him personally. He was a positional coach for me, special teams coordinator. Yep. Uh, I had nothing but respect. I go to the wall for that guy because he would go to the wall for me. I watched him as a young coach, maybe seem a little loosey goosey because that's his nature, right? But if he's changing out offensive coordinators and making strong moves with personnel, and uh, and yes, he made some bad calls that time. That uh, uh, the loss of down on the um, um, on the uh, time, count. time count was time you know, count. Re- unforgivable. First on the quarterback, but you need a coach watching that, right? So Yeah, I would have um, thought, especially with Dola Gallup being his first game, to be like, okay, there's 100%. a minute left. There's a lot of shit going yeah. on. Your only job is time count, and you scream in my ear so I can get a timeout in there because yeah. the eyes in the sky or whoever, because Jeffrey's on the sideline, but there's got to be people in the You've booth. You've got to have checks and balances. It's like that Edmonton returner that, that took a knee in the end zone and gave oh, up the yeah. winning point, God. right? Like, Whew. you know, that, that's I'm sorry, that's on the coaches, so... Yeah, but it happens. And that is, guys like, have brain farts. I mean, again, it, you 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 only see the disasters if the guy's headset doesn't work. Now I don't know if they admitted whether they made the wrong call or not. But um, if a guy's headset doesn't work, he doesn't get the call, and he's too young. Like the accidents happen. Look at the Montreal game. I was watching Evans. He said, "I didn't get the play at the end of the game. The the, the play that literally won them the game when Sandani made the catch. He said, "I was in the huddle. I didn't get the play. I just made something up." And then, and then next thing you know, what he made up didn't work. And then he was scrambling for his life. And Ottawa's player blew the coverage. And Sandani sitting in the back, uh, or Mayala, Ergy Mayala, not Sandani Mayala, yeah. um, um, makes makes a grab out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, Evans is a hero, right? So hero to zero on miscommunication anytime, right? Or zero to hero. And uh, so. I'm not going to hang too much negative on Craig because I played for him in Calgary. He was my special teams coach for so many years that I was here. I played for him in Saskatchewan uh, when, you know, and again, I was only there for three games and it was a tail end of a terrible season. And he was, he's always the same. And that's what you want 
in your head coach. That's why Wally was there forever. That's why Huff is there forever. Whatever their demeanor is, if they're the same, it works. The worst guys are the ones that start the season off and they're your best friend and now ah, we're going to rock and roll. We're going to party. And then, you know, the music on the speakers and, and then all of a sudden when <laughs> things turn south, they turn south and then the players turn on them because they're like, who is this guy? Right. And we've seen it a number of times in Calgary. Sheldon, we played for a couple of guys that were like that. Right. Yep. We, we, yep. we had uh, coaches that had the four horsemen that were all four uh, CFL uh, linebacking all-stars and Western Conference defensive nominees, and then the next year, none of them are even starting anymore, right? So if you have coaches that are inconsistent with their demeanor and the way they run things, it trickles down. And what I see with Craig, he's consistent. He's consistent, and the players um, will respond to that. And, and, and I like that in a leadership style. I, I like that in a leadership style. Uh, you know, if he planned at the beginning of the year that they were going to have a week off during this bye week, no uh, amount of um, ebb and flow to their record should affect what he planned because guys plan for that. If he comes back now, let's say they lost this game. He's like, well, you know what? Uh, there's no more bye week. You guys are coming back in two days early. Guys would lose their shit and they wouldn't, then they wouldn't play for him. And, yeah. and let's face it too, yeah. as important as your head coach is, as important is that that trickles down to your offensive and defensive coordinators mm-hmm. and to your positional coaches. I mean, for me, I like when, when I played for like Tom Higgins, for example, uh, I, I, I really respected Tom because he was even keel, but I didn't work with Tom. Yeah. I worked with Denny Crehan and yep. his son. Right. And, and um, um, so that's what began back to the earlier comment. When you have a strong leader up on top and the right people fill in the gaps, it takes care of itself. If he's got a strong staff that they're all on the same page and they're staying together, they're going to be fine. I, I watched, you know, I've, I've even through the losses, I like their defense. A few bonehead calls. Yeah. It can be frustrating like any team can. But yeah. uh, I'm, not, I'm not ready to, to shut the lights off on the riders well, yet. And, by and that goes to your point. Sorry, I was just going to add. That goes to your point, Sheldon. You know, when we talked about, you know, them jettisoning Jason Moss. Now, I know Jay. He's a buddy of mine. Sure. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we played together. I've watched him coach. He's coached in Ottawa. He's been successful. He's also had uh, s- some some hardships as a coach. But that could have been just a personality uh, conflict. And, and Craig saying, you know what? I can't work with him. I can't manage him as my offensive coordinator. Therefore, I need to find someone that I can manage. Has nothing well, to do Kelly with Kelly got his- rid of us. Yeah, back in the yeah. radio days, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, right. Can't work with I couldn't. Guys. I couldn't handle you guys. It's just nuts. <laughs> and the and the pay increase demands were even Dear worse. But assholes, <laughs> listen <laughs> here. You know, before Pat your shit. <laughs> I, I don't remember getting paid before. But, uh, Kelly said, mm. "Yeah, they spent five hundred and fifty, which is a lot in the CFL." And and when you said five hundred and fifty thousand, I thought you were saying five hundred and fifty bucks, which is also no. a lot in the CFL, which is more than you were paying us for the radio show. So just. <laughs> <laughs> put it out there. I knew you were going to work your way back to that. I just could just feel it just coming now, through well, that thing. Yeah. And I think as a lot of Ryder fans here, how this kind of season is unfolding, where we are kind of the cardiac kids and the roller coaster goes up and it goes down. Uh, okay, I'll, we'll ride. And however this is going to pan. But, I mean, we're not the only ones. Any, it tells, any other article you read or podcast comes up with, Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson, whose contract who are on expiring contracts and everything, be like, and we were talking about, too, like, okay, and if it's not them, who else is out there? And Mike Hogan, who's That's the problem. play-by-play guy from the Argos, because we asked about them and this pipeline of talent that they have and all of these unknown guys that, as yeah. common fans, we don't know. And he listed off, like, four names to be like, Okay, because the Argos, despite 
they're the worst team off the field, like fan while all of that. But they got a good football team, and they just kind of and Dinwiddie, the coach, like just yeah. the the vision they had. I'm like, damn it, we need well, a little of that. What Toronto Guys, has, what Toronto has that that a lot of teams don't have is they've got they've got John Murphy. Some of the, some of the teams that have scouts do a really good job. And you know, I, again, even in the scouting world, there's really good scouts, and there's there's not. And Murph has been connected to the to the Argos, even though he I think he lost his job last year, but I think he's back with them. He. <laughs> He's always had his fingers in the talent pool in the U.S. Yep. He's he was like the Paul Jones of the Edmonton Eskimos back in the day, uh, the Shiv for the Riders. Like Murph has a good. Now I'm not saying that other teams don't, but you look where Murph went and everywhere he went, whether he was in Calgary, whether he went to uh, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan. Yeah. He's brought in really good talent. And I think that's what Toronto has right now. And they've got a fantastic coaching staff. Like, you know, the guys they have, again, a lot of former Stampeder guys. You're looking at Dinwiddie. You're looking at Corey Mace, uh, Josh Bell. So they brought over a lot of guys, and, and there's a lot of consistency there. I think Pete Costanza's there, who was the mm-hmm. Stampeder's receivers coach for years. And, uh, you know, the, the, they're building on guys who have a reputation for success. I mean, if you look at the Stampeders, they have a lot of new guys there, like Nick Lewis. I love Nick Lewis as a player. Uh, he's their receivers coach right now, and you know they got to fix that situation there. And you hope that Nick can do it, right? Um, but you know, when you look at at uh, Toronto, they've got some guys that've been there, done that, not just on the field, but off the field, and that helps too, right? I was going to ask you guys when you when you think about the Stampeders and the Elks, which is weird to say that. For the first time in forever, it is like if the playoffs started right now, They're both there up. wouldn't there wouldn't be an Alberta team in in the playoffs, which is very very strange. Sheldon, maybe kind of comment on what you're seeing with with the Elks. You know, do you think that maybe they can pull something out and, and be an okay team towards the end? Because I guess they're not that far out of it because the CFL is crazy. <laughs> and and where do you come out with the Stampeders? Do you think you know? Are they going to be able to turn this thing around? We keep so, we keep saying that, and it yeah, hasn't yeah. happened yet. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I'm probably a little more, uh, and, and it's a relative statement. I've, I've got a little bit more hope and upside right now for the Elk, um, uh, just because uh, it was so disastrous. Uh, but the same thing with Chris Jones. And, and I, I don't have an opinion on Chris Jones. He's a character. He's had some success as a coordinator. I, I don't really know him as a head coach, right? Uh, but he made a he made a big move, changed out his offensive coordinator, and you know what? It's and I don't even know who that is. I gave up on even watching him. It was embarrassing football to watch. Um, but the last two three weeks, they've been moving the ball. They're getting in sync. The guys are starting to believe. They've got a new quarterback in there. Uh, they're, um, um, they're making some dynamic plays, and it's working. I mean, they won this week. They almost won the week before. Uh, there's you're seeing it's an organization, a team that's starting to turn around. So the players are actually rowing in the same direction and playing football. Cause I don't know what that was the first few, the last three years. I don't know what that was. It was terrible. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see if they can keep building off of some of that chemistry. Um, but if we move back to Calgary, uh, I'm baffled. Like I'm, I'm still a big Stamps fan. I love Dave Dickinson. Uh, I'm even a Jake Mayer fan. I just, I'm of the personal opinion that he's not there yet. I think he'll be one of those guys like Henry Burris. I played when I played with Henry, he was good. He is better than Jake Mayer. He'd get you to the playoffs, but he'd break your heart. Um, Jake just hasn't put it together yet. I think he's got the ability to. He's a smart guy. He makes the right reads. But there's something missing in the chemistry right there. Um, I think my my real... Uh, I, 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 
you know, I, I don't want to question Dave Dickinson, but I wonder, what's going, I wonder what's going through his brain right now. Well, because they don't, the stamps don't misfire. The team has been so good for so long. And I'm wondering, but now, we've been bad mind. for five years. Okay, but I was thinking about this, and if there's anybody that shouldn't ever have to worry about their position would be Dave Dickinson. But if they don't do well and they don't miss the playoffs, you'd have to think there's be got two jobs too now, right? He's yeah, got, there, he took a, on a tiny extra. bit of heat yeah. on him because we're not used to this in Calgary. Calgary just has a good football team year in, year out, consistently. Well, the Stamps are always there. They they have good personnel. The riders are the roller coaster, then the Eskimos, and everybody else is the dumpster fire, and the stamps yeah. are the model of consistency. Like, Huff, solid man. Huff, yeah, I, they they got it down. I, I I think we just lost our magic with that quarterback tree, right? Like we used to just go out there and shake it every off season, and you'd have three, four guys in camp. We trade two of them off, and they'd be great in other teams. And and right now, mm. there's just. The magic and the luster is gone. Do I think Dave knows how to get it back? Yeah, I sure do. If I could give him one piece of advice, Dave, run the ball, right? Run the ball. we got two quality running backs. Um, let's open up some uh, opportunities with the ground game and even get some dump-off passes to take the pressure off of Mayer and to op- you know take some pressure off the receivers in coverage. I, There's I'm a gonna... couple of things on offense that I'd like to see change. I love our defense. Um, I think our guys play great, but I just I'm just sensing there's this kind of meh every time we take the field and and I don't know what it is. They're great players. They're great coaches. We're just missing something. I think it starts with a quarterback. I think I, I'd like I'm to see more out of the receiving. Yet, Sheldon, I'd like to see more out of the receiving core. I just, I'm not it's sure like it's a dynamite. You know, if I think back to even before I got to Calgary and that whole time I was here, there are always these top tier receivers on the team. And I just, you know, Malik Henry's injured, and a lot is following on um, on. Um, Bagleton still Bagel- looks great, but he can't. I, looks he can't. Good. He can't take the spot of four other guys. He can't yeah, take true. the spot. Yeah. And when, you know, the years that that I played, you know, you, you look at the Jermaine Copeland, Rambo, Nick Lewis, uh, uh, Brett Pipeline, Ralph, yep. like yeah. the, Mark Hillier McDaniel. There was always guys. You know, uh, Eric Rogers. Uh, like it just. There was always a big play guy ready to step up that was sitting on the practice squad that you're like, man, this guy, there's no space for him. But, but I don't we know if they have that a lot of those deep threats. We also miss a lot of our deep threats. But though. what I'm saying like, is like, I, I'm not seeing that on this team. I'm seeing guys, but I'm not seeing what they used to have. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm not valuing the talent. I don't want to insult anyone there, but you, you yeah. know, you look at uh, Schaefer Baker comes back for the riders instantly yeah. makes an impact in that yeah. game. And now he opens it up for everyone else. Uh, what, what was the name of the, uh, um, how do you say his name? Ellie? Ellie? Uh, Samuel Emelis, who Emelis, is a Emelis. Canadian guy, yeah. second year player. Who's like, had yes. a best game and of the that's year. That's their or... Canadian talent, right? Like, yep. Yes. So, and Mitch Picton came. It's funny. They don't. Th- they throw the ball to Mitch Picton once every eight games, but he always catches it and comes through when they need it most. Yeah. Get that guy involved. Like, I he know he was. I saw, I saw him the, like the other night, and I was like, who the heck is this guy? You know, well, no, uh, I mean, he's not the size of a Vince Danielson or something like that, but he reminds me of like a strong-handed Canadian slot-back receiver that when the, when the game's on the line in the fourth quarter, you throw him the ball, he's going he's gonna to make that catch. He's going to get you those yards. And I don't Damn know farthings. if I have that here in Calgary. And, you know, Huff is notorious for – Paying guys okay money, but he's never going to pay them top money. And that's that's his M.O., and that's why they lose guys like Sean Bain and all those guys. Um, what's his name? Linebacker that left for the Riders last year, and then he was in the uh, – Stanky. Uh, Stanky. <laughs> Stanky, Stanky. And it's funny. Apparently, he's he wants to come back to the yeah. CFL, but like there's, there's no takers. And maybe because money's spent, but – 
Well, yeah, maybe they're X, worried he's going to leave yeah, again. Le- Lemon, Lemon uh, took up the last of the dollars there in Montreal. Yeah, Sean, Sean Lemon, yeah. But, um, money. Saying, but that, that's a historic thing for the Stamps. So to kind of go against their own MO and say, well, we're going to pay some big money for a big big free agent. They didn't, right? They didn't They didn't nope. pick up one knew. big free agent to give another weapon to Jake. You know, they, they didn't do that. They said, what we have is going to get us where we need to be. And that's not the case. That's not, and that's same thing that and happened. they've had some injuries too, Chef. They've had some guys go down. Yeah, so. no, I know, but 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 that happens to everyone, right? When we used to have injuries, uh, when I was playing with the Stamps, I remember in 2012, it was next man up, and next man up was just as good. Didn't miss a beat. That's how we found Eric Rogers. That's how we found Markway McDaniel and all these Even guys. Even five years before that, Kenyon Rambo, right? Yeah. There's just yeah. always these awesome athletes that would be scouting in the background. I just don't know if they have that now. They need that. They need guys to step up for Jake because you know what. The CFL, the field is wide enough that he doesn't have to make these exact throws. He has to throw to a spot where a guy's going to be, and when he gets there, make the catch. And maybe they're focusing too much on the yak yards, and they're not focusing on the catch that comes before the yak because that's because Jake throws a terrible ball. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, so here we are. We're kind of like just just past the halfway point of the season. We're like 40 minutes into the podcast. Uh, We're getting bold predictions. We want to see from each of you. One, two, and three. It will start in the east and then go to the west. Who is uh, who is uh, making the playoffs in the east? I don't care if it's crossover or not. Uh, Nasty, we'll start with you. One, two, and three in the east. Well, well, Toronto, Toronto's a given. Montreal, so, I think, is right up there too. Okay. Um, so are um, we crossover or are we Hamilton uh, and uh, Ottawa? Well, you know what. Bring, Bring me up to speed. What's the difference between Ottawa and uh, Hamilton right now? Because that crumb kid, I, I'm seeing both, more and it's, more. It's a, it's a toilet bowl, a 3-6 toilet bowl. But is there going to be somebody better in the West? You know, I, I think we're going to – this is where I think we're going to find this damn stepping up and probably get to look at a crossover. They're just too well-coached uh, to All not right. make that move. Um, so I'll say this sounds will be the crossover. In the in the West, I mean, the same thing you're looking at. Yeah, I, I got to call it, right? It's, it's I don't know who you say is number one. I really like what BC's been doing. If Vernon Adams can stay sharp, I think BC's going to be number one. Uh, Winnipeg's right up there, but I mean, really, it's a coin flip between the two of them. And then I think the Riders are going to find a way to just keep on carrying on until uh, you know for that third spot. Stamps missed the playoffs. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. Stamps and crossovers. Okay, okay. I'm just saying, but before you guys even brought it up, I was thinking crossover for stamps. So uh, Toronto, Montreal, stamps, and then Winnipeg, BC. And Saskatchewan, I think it's going to go uh, uh, BC, um, Winnipeg in the final, and it's going to be Montreal, Toronto. You know, and if I'm we're going to say gonna... it's going to be a Toronto, I'm going to say Toronto, BC, Great Cup. That's what I'm heading for. Really? You guys I'm think going... that Winnipeg won't get, because like, Winnipeg is just good and consistent when they need to be, and big play VA can be big play, but then also can be a dud. Like, he's, without Caleros, I get it. Uh, Winnipeg's not going to be... And that's but he's I'm practicing saying. again. He's practicing, yeah, he's he's practicing, practicing again. again. But you know what? I um, The amount of injuries that that guy's had to his I noggin, I, I don't know. Like, I we said it last time. He's, you know, he's one, one, hit, one, away. one hit away from not being able to spell his own name in a, in a bowl of yeah. alphabet soup. So is, does that come this year since he's had one? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, you know, I like Big Palavia. He had that one game where he choked. Who was that against? Where he threw? Was it Toronto? Made him look bad. Winnipeg made him look bad. Yeah, yeah but, but you, you know, know what? what? He, I like the way they're playing. 
I, I liked his attitude coming into the season when, uh, when uh, like Jake, they were interviewing Jake, talking about what it meant to be a starter and the great legacy of all these Calgary quarterbacks that he's, you know, coming into, you know, that he's going to step into their lineage and legacy. VA just said, you know, guys, I just spent the entire offseason working on bringing my hips around on the throw. The ball has to come out faster, it has to come out straighter, and it has to come out with, with more velocity. And mm-hmm. I knew right then that this is a VA that knows where he's at in his career, and it's now time for him to shine. And he's yep. been so focused. Even my buddy, my, my buddy, big Bombers fan, right? And, and he's joking. He goes, yeah, he looked good the first two weeks. VA always looks good the first two weeks. Well, you know what? Now the season's going on, he still looks good to me. The guy's yep. sharp, he's focused, and... Uh, I, I think he's going to be able to carry out this on the whole season because he's with the right coaching staff and the right offense. Okay. Uh, but well, before we wrap this up here, um, you guys sent a couple of pictures on the weekend. Do your kids both <laughs> play on the same football, minor football team, or is it separate football teams? Give us the rundown of what team, what kid, and what league, and then we'll wrap this thing up. So is it the same team? Coach Sheldon? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm And uh, – uh, yeah, we've got little Chevy and little Nasty. Um, oh, yeah, both playing for the Calgary Peewee Mavericks. It's a Northwest <laughs> team. Uh, there's uh, eight nice. teams uh, up here in, in Calgary in the Peewee uh, in the Peewee League, and uh, just based off of the parts of town that we live in, yeah, we've got uh, we have Kyle Chevrier as a running back and Big Kai Napastrick as an offensive nice. lineman. And I was watching those. We just came out of the opening football jamboree where you know the seven teams come together and play a bunch of mini games, and they I don't know play three games on half field and just get the guys going but uh yeah kyle looked awesome uh kai my my, my not so little guys learning to start uh, using his strength and 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 to his uh to his advantage and yeah we uh, came out of there two and one but yeah, yeah no- chevy and nasty will live on long past uh you and me being off this planet yeah, what sheldon didn't or failed to mention <laughs> is that a big kai uh, Sheldon's son um, is so big that he's wearing a Bantam uh, football jersey because they don't have a peewee jersey that would fit him. He's mm. uh, he's a large individual. He's mm. going to move some bodies. That's on brand. Yeah, that's he, not he a surprise not even be, for a little bit. A uh, hair yeah. under six foot tall going into so grade is seven. Is he a kid uh, in the Little League World Series from Venezuela that's actually 23 and is playing second base, but they well, forged a birth certificate? We've had a number of people ask for birth certificates, but I'll tell you what, you know, the funny thing is, too, the same thing, and Chris, you'll know this. Like, when, like growing up in Saskatchewan, I played in North Battleford, right? Mm-hmm. We were always the big farm kids that would go in and, like, wreck Saskatoon, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, so I know. We played against the Airdrie, Airdrie team, and Airdrie's, you know, city of, I don't know, what, 80,000, 100,000? Uh, yeah. But they also draw all the communities around it. Yeah, oh, they're uh, huge. Their entire def- their defense alignment, their two defensive tackles were bigger than Kai was um, at this jamboree. So there's yeah. some big boys out there. Yeah. Kai's going to have to definitely put in his work. But uh, you know, as long as Kyle, your son, keeps running the ball as hard as he is, I think the Mavericks are going to be just fine this year. Yeah, my 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 son looks like a young Jesse Lumsden because he sure doesn't look like a young me because I never got to carry the ball or <laughs> do anything that involved any sort of athleticism. Hey, you throw the ball between your legs. And hit a quarterback. Uh-uh. That's that's what the extent of my football. But no, it's fun. You know what? It's fun uh, uh, that that minor football is starting. We get to cheer. It's fun to see Sheldon out there coaching. Uh, you know, I, I know it's uh, again. I've had. Chef, where do you come out on 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 uh, Sheldon's coaching? Are you? Is there some is maybe he like some in room a Craig to grow? Dickinson, it's a week to week. He could be gone. He be, could be here. He so could he, be he was he was heckling me at the last game, <laughs> calling did. me the sexiest coach him. on the sidelines. Yeah, I, so, I, uh, yeah. I screamed yeah. out in front of the whole crowd, Sheldon, I love you. <laughs> so I just tried to now, embarrass him. Now, yeah. in, in minor football, because I know this, having played hockey, are the moms as bad in football as they are in all other sports as far as being psychos when it comes to cheering for their kid? 
I don't know. They're loud. They're loud, yeah. It's, it's a different culture, though, I think. I, I, I really get a sense it's a different culture. Chef, your kids play both. What do you think? You know, I also think it depends what part of town you're from. Not gonna lie. Listen, I'm not gonna lie. It's gonna depend on what little town north of Calgary they come from. But you know what? But uh, it can get it. Shots fired. It can get loud. It can get loud. But it's fun. It's really fun. Uh, It's fun to see. You're not calling people from north of Calgary hillbillies or anything like that. No, 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 no. They're passionate. passionate. Just clarifying. No, but you know what? It's really good. We have a very healthy uh, minor (laughs) minor football league here and. you know, to see my, like I, had, like I said, I had three boys. One just finished his high school career. He's not playing anymore. I have one that's going to try out for high school. And as Sheldon said, my youngest, Kyle, he just loves it. And uh, he's been playing for a couple of years, and it's fun to watch. I'm not coaching this year because my boys also play hockey. So when, when everything starts up, I'm an Uber driver. So I'm just enjoying watching. And, yeah, it's fun to see Sheldon out on the sideline. I know the, the funny thing is I did a fire safety talk at his son's school uh, in, I think it was in, November. And when I saw Kai, I was like, holy crap, this kid's huge. And then I realized it's Sheldon's kid. And I was like, you're playing football. He's like, oh, I don't know if I want to play football. And then all his buddies were on him. You're going to play. You're going to play. And then lo and behold, um, I guess uh, he told dad, he's like, dad, I'm going to play. And how did that make you feel, Sheldon? Because I know everyone's always like, for us, it's like, oh, your kids must be football players. And we're like, well, I don't know, yeah, like no. maybe. My 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 oldest my oldest played a year of football and he did great. He played defensive end. He sacks backfield tackles and he asked me one day, Dad, did you play football because you're good at it or because you loved it? And I'm like, dude, because <laughs> I loved it. He goes, Oh, okay. Yeah, and I knew right then that that wasn't his thing. Now he's an amazing high school band program. They travel, wear tuxedos, he plays clarinet. Um I'm nice. excited when they get excited. But yeah, and that's good. And that is for the kids. Hey guys, that's uh, it. We- Watching my son get excited at that last football game was pretty exciting to me, okay. Chef. Yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome. All right, uh, guys, as always, thanks for coming on. We appreciate the time. It's episode 41 of the Rider Nation podcast.